Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And every week we bring to you the greatest, our, well, our favorite, well, things that we like. We bring you music <laughs> that comes from electronics. This is great video game music from the past and the present, and we love talking about it, and we love... We love each other. We love consuming <laughs> beverages while the music is playing. Yes. Uh, I brought you a LaCroix that's not coconut. Thank heavens, because I got coconut shavings in my last one. Let me tell you, I don't think they're supposed to be in LaCroix. No. Oh, I had that one coconut water with extra pulp when we were helping move Nasty. our friends. Yes. I was like, why would you do that to yourself? You're drinking shavings. It was so thick. Um, so that's how we're going to start every show. <laughs> Discussing how a coconut was getting ready for a hot date. And just left all the <laughs> shavings on the floor, and then someone collected them and put them in a bottle, and you drank them. That's right. Um, that's good. Any more top of the show business about mouthfeel or coconuts? A slight thing, which could be funny. Um, so next week's going to be, well, next week, at the time this episode airs, will be an interesting thing. Because I will be on the other side of the United States being awkward. Oh, you're going to uh, the going to E3. E3. That was gonna, I was going to say what those those E's were, but I could not think. Eclectic, enigmatic entourage. Can we just say that you're going to E's? I would like that I so like much that more. Yeah. Oh man, the Ice Ridge of Noltia wouldn't, have, wouldn't know how to deal with me. Let me All tell right. you what. But yeah, I will be there being goofy and awkward, trying to walk around, being upset that I didn't get into the Smash Brothers event. It's oh. ridiculous. Oh, okay. Also... I have nothing else. I'm just talking Also, about I have nothing else. <laughs> now, well, I got one other thing. Just random game I played recently that people should look into. Moonlighter. Oh, you like that? Oh, yeah. I've been reading about that. It's, it's a gym. It's like Reseteer 2.0. If you've ever played Reseteer, if you haven't, you should play this too and then play Reseteer. Basically, you're running a store and then you hobble into the dungeons and loot them to get goods to then sell at a store. I like this loop already. It's a great loop. It sounds good. <laughs> It's mm. Well, we should just get right into it, like we haven't for the last two and a half minutes. We have on this show, super special guest, super great guy, super handsome man. Honestly, very patient guy. Very patient man. <laughs> We've had waiting <laughs> for us. We have Ed from the VGM Embassy, formerly from Pixel Tunes Radio. We are so happy to have you, Ed. What is going on, guys? I am super stoked to be here, especially for this awesome theme that we've got going on today. Yes, yes. Actually, um, did I come up with a theme? I wanted the theme to be sexy music. I think you both kind of had a moment where you eventually came up with this theme, and then I said, I don't know what to do about this. I, I think it was kind of like mentioned as a joke, and uh, and I was, or Rob mentioned it as a joke, and sure. I was like, dude, no, that's great. Let's go with that. That sounds really good. So and I was like, I'm, uh, I'm cosplaying as Hugh Hefner for the duration of the show. Oh, I like it. I like it. Smoking jacket and a snifter of brandy, maybe and a I am cigar. A tuxedo mask with a, uh, a rose in my mouth the whole Excellent. time. And I am and every time you move, stars come out of your arms. With a beard in my hand and all over my shirt. No, man, you're James Bond. Barney Gumble is James Bond? Purnell Bond. 
Hey, call me Bond. James Bond. I like Bart. I can't even do a good Barty. I wish. I wish. I'm Krusty the Clown. I could do that one, though. No, I'm really happy to have you hanging out with us. Um, I, you know, I feel like everyone we've met through uh, the podcasting groups and through the the video game music communities online, everyone's been really great, and um, I'm really thankful to have met people like like last week on our episode with Emily and Josh. They were amazing, and getting to meet you too. It, it's been awesome. Yeah, you guys are fantastic. I mean, I've been listening to your show since uh, maybe like episode two. Oh my god, or something. Yeah, it's been a really long time. And, How did you uh, stick with it? I, uh, a lot of booze, you know. Okay. <laughs> At least he's honest. That's the important part. <laughs> no, but it's it's great to watch you know shows evolve from being kind of disorganized and not you know knowing what's going on, and then to have like you know super professional shows like you guys put out now. So yeah, so, yeah, yeah pro- professional. Yeah, we are doing it for that paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta earn that gum. Oh, man. Oh, man. So why don't you uh, tell our listeners um, briefly, and then we'll get into it more later, about your new project, the VG Embassy, which is a great name, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, so this is kind of like my month hiatus between Pixel Tunes Radio and, and VG Embassy. Mike and I kind of went our separate ways and decided to branch out into two different podcasts. Um, Mike is doing a show called XVGM Radio, and I've decided to create the VG Embassy. And I'm envisioning it like a real embassy uh, that is like a country of VGM. So I'll be the prime VGM minister on my show. Yeah. And every week... Uh, or every episode rather than week, I'm going to have a different guest with me, and they're going to be the VG ambassador. So it's going to be like they are coming to the embassy, they're sharing their video game music culture with me and the listeners, and so I'm going to really try to tailor the show around what the VG ambassador wants to do and kind of respect their culture. Uh, Once in a while, I'll do like a solo show and share my own culture, or sometimes I'll play the role of VG ambassador and kind of share something with a guest that I have on. So every show is going to be kind of different, different structure, different voices, different guests. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm trying to keep it as fresh and as fun as I possibly can. So, you know, so far I've got quite a few episodes in the can waiting to be launched. Uh, We're launching on July 6th and uh, and then we're going to go weekly for at least like the first five or six weeks. And uh, it's going to be a lot of cool stuff to share. A lot of lot of surprise guests and a lot of really cool music. Have you decided who's going to go as VGM Customs and VGM TSA? Oh, you know I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure the messenger will probably be Customs. Yeah, he's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> that ninja's got to like you know he'll 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 break into your um, into your suitcase and be like, "What are you smuggling through here? Is that is that is that the Beatles?" No, it's Metroid. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> I like the idea that you're trying to smuggle like classic rock and roll into a video game music podcast. But I love that. You're like the diplomat for these different communities and for people to, to share um, their experiences and what they love. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a very cool experience, and it's going to be a, a learning experience for me, too. Instead of me just doing all the research all the time, I'm going to be absorbing information from my guests as well. So I can't, I can't wait to like get in there and really kind of... Uh, uh, envelop myself in all that stuff. So it should be fun. Someday I can go. Greetings from Perntopia. Perntopia. Yes, you guys will definitely be on the show. We've got to yes. work out. I know Pernell and I have already talked about doing some uh, a specific show that I don't want to divulge oh, just yeah. yet. But yeah, uh, yeah, you come into the studio here, and, and it's just Pernell's show, and I'll just listen and laugh. 
Well, you have to do some laughing. Because yeah, yeah. Like, I'll be on mic, but just laughing. Even make a little joke. Like, what is that sound? I don't know. Yeah. You'll be the laugh be track. You'll be like, the VG Embassy was filmed in front of a live studio audience, yeah. and it's just Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a mole's been amongst our mitts. Well, we've had issues with spies lately here I'll do in Perntopia. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love that idea. All right, so let's talk about romance and video game music. In other words, yeah. let's get awkward. Let's get a little awkward with our video games. Um, so we're not specifically talking about um, fan service in games, which is generally fan service for the male audience, especially of, of you know classic games of the 80s and the 90s. But we're talking about music that sets a romantic mood, whether it is intentional for the game or not. I hope we have some or nots on here, because that would be pretty fun. Yeah, mine are yeah. pretty intentional to a I, point I have where I can't one discuss that's it. Not. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got one that you would definitely you know look at where the game came from and where the uh, song came from and be like that is not romantic at all. Okay, great. And then you'll 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 hear the song and be like, but I see what you're talking about. <laughs> and Ed's first pick is they met from the game Ms. Pac-Man. Ooh, so as always, we let our guests uh, have the first pick, and um, all right, and then you sort of set the tempo and then we'll slide right in there all right so since we we just kind of hinted at it i'm gonna go with that that track for my first pick this is the birdman theme from pilot wing 64 uh on the N n64 and composed by mr dan hess all right let's listen
You're listening to Birdman from Pilot Wings 64 for the N64 by Dan Hess. Oh, baby. Oh, man. You and your loved one put on your bird suits, lay down by the fire. Catch fire, apparently. <laughs> you got your bird suit. Flap, flap your arms like crazy. Whose idea was this? Why are we wearing bird suits by the fire? Why wouldn't we? Because what them? else would you do? That's that's the name of the song, and this is how the song sounds. You you can't do anything but lay down by the fire. Oh, this, this is a this is honestly a beautiful tune. I am really is. super into it. I and need I'm just to, uh, need to play more N sixty four. You really yeah, do. I'm, I'm amazed by the different number of instruments. Like mm-hmm. there's so many different solos, flutes, and organs, and uh, it's crazy. Absolutely nuts. Well, it's and like the they used like a, some some bass sample loops, obviously for the drums, uh, the bass, which has a really some really nice licks in there. Yeah. Um, that pad sound in the back, which is super smooth. But yeah, then there's like there's at least four or five different solos that sound like fully recorded. That organ. Yeah. Oh, that organ's crazy. And uh, I don't know. I can't imagine just this. This literally is a level where you're flapping your arms as hard as possible to get from platform to platform, and you've got this smooth jazz playing in the background. And I don't know. It, it would not make me feel like I need to flap like a, a dingbat. You know what I mean? It's. It makes me just want to sit there and listen. So yes. bad job on that one, Dan has. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's Good not, job let's, on the music. I'm about to right. say, let's not let's not go nuts here because. In a game like Pilot Wings, where it starts out, you know, easy breezy, and then as the game progresses, all of a sudden, all the goals become infuriating, especially if you're trying to go for high ranks. Yeah. Sometimes it takes music like this to keep you from breaking things. <laughs> true. Very true. Lay down by the fire. Press restart. Over and over, over again. Over and over. Until eventually, you succeed. And hot Look. dang, is it worth it. Let the bird man make sweet bird love to you. That's right. Or just quit and start over as a jumble hopper. <laughs> whichever your preference. God, I love the jumble hopper. Oh, so, um, okay, so now I need to know what the jumble hopper is. If I remember correctly, the jumble hopper this is was a, like a G-rated show. Um, yes, come on. <laughs> if anything, I'm gonna love the jumble hopper. If I remember correctly, the jumble hopper was like boots that you wore and you kind of just jumped around the maps so okay. like you had they were like super boots so whereas the bird man had to flap his wings to get from point A to point B and then keep moving to his goal jumble hopper was just you start in a spot you have to leap across the map to another spot by making super jumps and hopefully get through hoops as you do it okay it was surprisingly cool. challenging and but fun to manipulate at the same time yeah I have to check that out I always loved pilot wings for the Super Nintendo and that's where it got yeah it's the only one I played like, I didn't even like that one. Like, I, oh, really? my, my friends loved the original Pilot Wings, and I tried to back then. This was back when the system came out. Just wasn't clicking for me as much as I tried. So, when this game came out, as you all know, N64 had a pretty low stream library. There was nothing there when it came out. In fact, this was one of two games it got. But at being the guy who needed as many games to play as possible for his new system, there I were more it. than two games. No, no. Before. When it came out, these were. Oh, when it came was, out. When it okay. came out, yeah. yeah. Oh God, what a Pop- successful Pop- system! Pilings was an early uh, SNES release as well, right? Yeah, like I think that at least back then, because they never did another one after this. But they were they made them out to be like good system spec display products. Okay. So you saw what the system was capable of by having this game 
that was meant to explore out environments while you did things. But that was a uh, that was Soya Oka, am I right? On pilot wings for the Super the original one, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that. I feel like this captures a little bit of that spirit of um, um, not being at an airport, but being in like what I what I imagine is like the captain's lounge, and just being yeah yeah sitting on a chair that hasn't been updated since the seventies. Yes. Like an oak bar, <laughs> very, very smoke, like inordinately smoky. Yeah, yes, yeah. Like, that's that's this kind of music. Like the rest of the airport is like super sterile, and everyone's miserable. But then you walk in this room, and like there's cigar smoke everywhere, <laughs> and like big leather chairs. I would think they'd be more Wingbacks. miserable in the room with the cigar smoke. But <laughs> again, I'm not thinking about how a captain's lounge is meant to feel. And they're all wearing Birdman uniforms. <laughs> But then the plume, then the plumage comes all gets all smoky, tarred. <laughs> oh, this is great. Oh, I love this tune. Thanks for bringing this one to the show. Yeah, no problem, man. It's it's a fantastic one. All right, I'm gonna keep this rolling in the uh, in the vibe with the with the the wingsuit. This is a this is I, I went full on visual novel almost without even thinking about it because I thought of like okay, well, how would this work? This is a game called SC2VN for the PC. It's, Does uh, that stand for anything? Uh, StarCraft II Visual Novel. Oh, <laughs> <What>? okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, StarCraft II, a very popular esports game, and a Visual Novel, a very popular uh, game format. There you go. It's, it's like, like peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly, yeah. A natural fit. Um, so this is a, a visual novel about um, kids in high school joining their StarCraft II esports team. Um, and it's a visual novel about that. And this is a track called Searching for Game. It's not searching for the game it's or searching for a game. It's searching for game. So I think this is about dating. And it's um, the artist name, all I have is Mondonate. So, no other information on the artist, but it's really good. That's actually a really cool soundtrack. So, um, searching for game from SC2VN.
You're listening to Searching for Game from SC2VN for the PC, composed by Mondonate. Or Mondonate. Mondonate. Um, but yeah, this is, I mean, it's a game about high school kids falling in love. Rage quitting. Rage quitting. <laughs> no, they don't <laughs> rage quit, man. They stick it out. They probably rage quit and they come back together. Otherwise, that would it would be dishonorable. Be, yeah, it would just would be less interesting if it was like they got together, and and they were happy, and like in the first five minutes of the game, it's a smash! <laughs> I'm out of here. You cheated. You but totally this, spammed. This is a visual novel, so it's essentially like reading manga, but you know the words popping up on the screen, you hitting the space bar with occasional Starcraft imagery and yeah, blah 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 boom. A little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of Starcraft. Uh, tournament play and a little bit of starcraft um hand holding yeah so uh, as as far as like the title of this track well they're high school games come on <laughs> I, I i wonder what kind of game they're looking for while this song is playing i exactly this is um yeah yeah, yeah. This they could is, be strategizing they're, they're two people and at their at their laptops and the, but they're they caught eyes across the room Ooh, yeah and well, it could be helping they, they each find other out. out they find out they have super low ping and they live happily ever after. <laughs> but then they, get, then they get tired of playing against each other, and they seek out other partners in the industry to battle against. That is what love is about. Finding finding someone you love and then just destroying everyone else. <laughs> it's trash. I guess, I guess I'm not playing against each other. It's about working together to trash everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. So I was saying how meta this game is because it's a game about a real-life video game. So it's video game characters playing a real video game that exists in our world. It's like this weird Inception kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if they even reference, like, the like the development studios within the game. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, that would... This, I mean, this, this game style is not something that I'm naturally drawn towards. Oh. It reminds me kind of like... Um, remember that, that game on the PlayStation 2, Dot Hack? Yes. You would be like anime characters, but then you would they would play a video game and you would go inside the video game yes. and play them in the video game. Yeah, that, that's so. based off an anime. My um yeah. uh, my cousin Rachel is very, very, very much into the dot hack series. Okay. When we first started the podcast, she um begged me. Begged me, begged me, begged me to to just do a dot hack focused episode <laughs> so she could be on and just have her favorite music. And I'm sitting there holding the game. I'm like, I just got to start it. There one are so day. many of them. There are so many of them. They put most of them on one disc last year. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's helpful. <laughs> they had to cool. because the, there's like a series of three that all sell for like mm. 200 bucks a pop for some dumb reason. So they was like, hey, let's kill that market. Re-release them all on one disc. Caught last recode. I said thank you and bought it and then never made time for it, as I do. Um, well, this is not the last meta tune that I'm going to play. There's yeah. more meta? I have more meta games that I'll be playing from. Uh, yeah. Kirby's Love Quest. But nothing with this much Rhodes, organ, and funky little bits. Little bits here and there. I like it. It's very minimal. It reminds me of like the cool lo-fi hip-hop scene that's happening right now. Yeah. This yeah. is like great like studying music. Yes. Or it's like studying how to make love. Like I think that would be the perfect tune for this. Yeah, like um oh I'm just gonna go study with my girlfriend. Right. 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 And then you ask you cry break the door open, you walk in, what do you see? Two people reading a book yeah. on how to be content with each other. 
Is that a calculus Perfect. notebook? I'm so disappointed. <laughs> no, no, you see. You guys should be multiplying. <laughs> we are. After we do some trigonometry, it's a little bit of calculus. There's some, there's some multiplication in there. Just, let's, let's get through the process here. It's a long formula. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you like the track. I'm not a huge StarCraft fan. Um, real-time strategy is not my, my thing. They're embarrassing to me. They embarrass you. Yes, because I get mud-stomped royally. Uh, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. Okay, let me show you how badly you're actually doing. And then you just destroy my well-crafted base with little effort. Off from your fog of war wonderland. Yeah, you don't get that immediate feedback in a, in a real-time strategy game like you do in, like, Mario. Like, you know, you're hopping along in Mario, you fall in a pit, you die, you know that you suck. Exactly. In StarCraft, you're spending all this time building up your base, and you're like, this is gonna be the best fortified base ever. And then you're literally destroyed in, like, 30 seconds after three hours of work. It's, and you're like, what did I do wrong? And it's, you can't even really break down... Well, I guess the pros can, technically, but it's hard to even break down where you went wrong, because you're like, well, two hours yeah. ago, when you built that one structure, you just set yourself down a path of failure, and you didn't even know it. Like, well, that's just not fun. So instead of right. falling into a pit and, and dying in Mario, it's like an hour-long fall where every minute you're being told how bad you are. No, right. no, it's, a, it's a fall where every minute... You think you're doing better. You think you're falling into a secret warp zone. <laughs> you think, and think you just land on a bed of spikes. Like How did I get here? You think you're going to land on a one-up and then bounce out of that bed. Right. So it's like one of the poison mushrooms. The whole time you thought you were playing Mario and you're actually playing Kaizo Mario. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Pranel, um, what, what, did, what did you bring for our theme? I'm curious because I didn't, didn't... I saw your tracks, but I didn't really listen to them. Well, the first one, I mean, I was going to play the other track first, but... This seems sounds like it would be closest to the sound of the tracks you guys picked, so <laughs> I had to go with this game even though there's no love in it. Okay. But it definitely carries a lot of sexy and that game is Bayonetta and the track title is Enzo and Drive and it's composed by Irina Naiwa.
Welcome back. You're listening to Enzo and Dry from the game Bayonetta, composed by Irina Naiwa, or Niwa, depending on your region of dialect. This is one of my one of my favorite tracks on today's episode. I love it's got the extra flutes, but it's got that that kind of like smooth R and B sound of like the early two thousands. Um, if anyone's listening has heard of anything on the old Ninja Tunes label, it has a lot, has a deep sound like that. Um, it reminds me of LTJ Bukum, um, Earth Volume 3, oh, and Makoto. Um, but these are names that... <laughs> stuff me. I listened to back in the day. <laughs> well, are good. I mean, obviously, if they all sound like this, then they were something good to listen to, that's for sure. So this is... Uh, no, Bayonetta is an action game. Is this played during an action sequence? Honestly, my memory's a little aloof, but I want to say it's played in like one of the bar scenes. So the game is weird <laughs> in every sense of the word. Um, but I guess it's a Hideki Kamiya game, so I guess that comes with the territory there. Um, essentially, you are an Umbra witch who fights demons and monsters using guns, and I just call it hair magic because everything you do involves using your hair. Like yep. Your hair is your clothing. Your hair is your hair. Your hair is guns. It becomes giant fists and stomping feet. It's just ridiculous, and... This is another one of those games where it definitely does a very good job of circumventing the notion of, you know, like a misogyny concept that comes out of a lot of games that were dropping off during that the period when this game released. Because the main character, of course, has like this outfit, she has guns and the like, but she's pretty much the most powerful person there. She owns who she is and she flaunts it. It's an awesome concept for a game. And she just kind of walks around letting people know this is who I am. This is what I'm doing, and if you have a problem with it, well, <laughs> I think you you don't want to have a problem with it. That's what it boils <laughs> down to. Um, and I noticed like a guy has an informant that she works with and works at a bar, and I believe this theme plays there. She goes there every once in a while to get like feedback and tips. I think you also buy a lot of your upgrades from that bar too. And uh, essentially, you're just kind of talking to this guy. The behind, he's like, "What's going on, Bayonetta?" Like, like he's like straight out of the '70s or something. He's like, you know, just just the usual, you know, give me a tip on the next lead. And he's like, you know, girl, gotta watch your back. Demons are coming around and blah, 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 whatever. But um, the whole time, as difficult and as frustrating as the game can be, because I always pick hard difficulties, and this game is hard on the lowest of difficulties. Okay. It is just a quality gem of an action title to the point that, if I'm not mistaken, I think Nintendo paid to get the sequel made exclusively on their product. Okay. I've seen her in Smash Brothers. Yeah, that was that same mm. window. Okay, like, yeah, that's the only way I, reason I really know more about Bayonetta is because that, that she's really overpowered in the competitive scene. Deservedly so, because that character <laughs> yeah, was the, legit. The sequel was like a, like a launch title on Wii U, wasn't it? Or very close. It was like a launch window title. Yeah, I want to. I want to say. I would say the game itself wasn't a launch game per se, or even the launch window, but it got mentioned on like one of the first E3s post release that this mm, game was okay. in the works. As to say, look, we're Nintendo. We can bring you those mature games that you all say we don't have. Check this out. And then they released it, and it was oh my god, it was a gem. It had all kinds of cool Nintendo references. It was a product in and of itself that was just worth the money. And then, of course, they got re-released on the Switch because everything from the Wii U gets released on the Switch. But this is one of those times where I feel like it deserved that Switch release, too, because mm -hmm. there was just an, such an adamant stance against a lot of people buying the Wii U that this great game got ignored by far too many people. People, so much people were taking a stance against the Wii U? 
Yes, yeah, uh, there was two. I think it was a two folder. One was just for some reason people just seemed confused by the Wii and the Wii U as being. They thought it was the same machine with a slight upgrade, which made no sense to me. Yeah, very. Different. Even with the cornball name, it made no sense that you couldn't tell these were two different things. But then the other part is that, and it exists even now with the Switch, regardless of what the company does, people have this mentality that Nintendo just can't cut it in the string of mainstream consoles. Hmm. Like they're always playing like second or third fiddle to Microsoft or Sony. And they always talk about, well, why is it getting released on the Switch? It should come with a real machine, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what are you talking about? It's on the system that you, you should buy the system if you want to play the games that are on it. It's that simple. But that's what I mean by taking a firm stance against like mm. people just determine that it doesn't deserve their money because of the company that's making it. Well, that's a lot of money. Actually, it's the cheapest one on the market. <laughs> ah, I know. I mean, you spend money somewhere. You got to spend money one place. If you want to spend money on one place, like I'm probably not going to spend money in three different places. Oh, yeah. So I wonder, actually, that makes me end up kind of asking something worth asking for the show. If anyone's listening and wants to respond, like, how many game consoles in the present do you even own? And I say that because I believe to this day, the average person, average gamer type at this point has two. Not everybody, of course. Yeah. But I think the average has at least two right. by virtue of just that variety that yeah. they feel is necessary. Yeah, I have a PS4 mm-hmm. and a phone. Yeah. And honestly, that counts. Yeah. If you use it as a, as a gaming console, it counts as having two. I think that counts. Yeah. yeah. I have a PS4 and a Switch, but I still find myself using my PC more than both. So. <laughs> I can relate. Like, now, I have the Switch. It never gets used on the TV. Nad, you're, you're, uh, you're a family man, so your family, I assume, also plays games. What, what do they go to? Uh, the youngest one is definitely into the Switch, uh, just because he loves the Mario characters. So yeah. uh, Mario Odyssey, Kirby Star Allies, he's really into that stuff. We just got him the Nintendo Labo. Cool. So he's got the robot cardboard backpack. Awesome. So he loves that. Yeah. And then the older one, he's uh, he's 12, and he's just PC gamer through and through. So he's he's Fortnite and okay. you know, player unknowns battlegrounds, all that stuff. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. A little disappointed there. But <laughs> <laughs> he totally bypassed the whole retro thing. I tried to get him into it, but he was not interested you know at all. Get him golden, though. That's okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I got into high school, I got really obsessed with collecting um, Atari games, like 2600 and 7800 mm. and all those. I mean, I grew up with the 26, but um, I rediscovered them again in my high school. So, you know, maybe there's still, you know, maybe he'll go back and be like, oh, wow, Dreamcast games. <laughs> Hopefully. That would be nice. So, um... Anyways, what I wanted to talk about this track a little bit was, Rob, I know you're a fan of the Street Fighter 3 soundtrack, and doesn't this remind you maybe a little bit of, like, Elena or Ibuki's music, yeah, but, yeah. but, like, slowed down a little bit? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, actually, the references I made at the beginning are of drum and bass artists, and so much of yep. that music is drum and bass. And so, exactly. yeah, it's got that. It's definitely those kinds of the beedoo, 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 beedoo sound. <laughs> yeah, and those little flute trills that, like, show up a yeah, lot yeah, in uh, a... Yeah. Yeah, you know, Street Fighter. I'm, I'm loving all the flutes in today's episode. I never thought I'd say that. I'm loving the flutes. <laughs> it's good. It's a major theme, man. It's the instrument of love or something. Yeah, we well, just made that up. At least a, a woodwind, right? Yeah, it's got to be there. It's got to be in there. I'm not looking at this devolve any further. Um, Ed. <laughs> no, I, was just, I was like, I'm not jumping into that. You guys can, you're on your own. <laughs> I'm just enjoying the tunes. Ed, what is your next track? Well, I'm going to kind of take this show in a different direction. Um, this one, you're not going to hear many flutes 
Okay. Um, you're not going to hear many down-tempo jazz trills. or This one's called Whip Me Hard. This is a maybe a different kind of love. The face uh, that I just Rumble made Roses. can't be conveyed via podcast. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> but the face was real, and it was spectacular. <laughs> yeah, this this is this is from Rumble Roses. I think it's also on the Rumble Roses Double X soundtrack. Uh, this was composed by Mr. Sota Fujimori. Oh, classic, classic Absolutely. Konami composer. All right, Rumble Roses, let's do it. Listening to With Me Hard Exclamation Point from the game <laughs> Rumble Roses for the PlayStation 2. And this one's composed by Sota Fujimiori. And yes, yes, I'm about this track. This, re- this reminds me of his work in um, DDR around that same era. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm familiar with him from uh, like the Contra Shattered Soldier yeah. and Neo Contra soundtracks. Wait, he really did those? Techno stuff. Yep, he did oh, those. Yeah. But he that, and Yama, Yamaoka did. Uh, did uh, Contra Shattered Soldier, I think, and then Neo Contra was just uh, Sota Fuji- Fujimori by himself. I might have that backwards, but I know both of them did one, and one of them just Fujimori did the other. It's it's hard to remember because that was our episode one. What really? Yeah, our first episode was oh, Contra. Contra. Yeah, yeah, we covered Shattered Soldier, and I remember being like, "Oh wow, Sota Fujimori," and it is that was heavy. This is not this is not heavy in that way. That's why I was no, really it still surprised. has that like. Yeah, it still has that very slick, kind of very produced electronic sound that Fujimori always has. It's just, it's kind of a different mood. You know, like maybe he had a little aphrodisiac before he sat down to to create this one. Yeah, maybe. I love like the the slap bass and those little violin hums here and there, you know. I like stuff. The, I like the, uh, the, the, fil- the filter on the guitar where it's like, it's got a yeah. good, it's got a really good groove to it. But yeah, Rumble Roses, right? That was a that was a wrestling game. An odd one too, because when it first came out, like we were talking about the we were talking about um the earlier Bayonetta game, and I feel like I got the exact opposite feeling from this game where I was like I really thought it was gonna be like glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling, which I guess kinda was still in that vein. But the overall result was like, Oh wow, ladies wrestling, kinda like how I used to watch Glow when they used to beat the tar out of each other and get real strong on that, but it just seemed like <laughs> It was like this was like fan service times a hundred in my opinion for wrestling. Yeah, this was before Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball though, which pretty much showed us what fan service times a hundred really was. 
But uh, this game was still I was like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting it to be at all. And yet the odd part about it is that if you got past that, which I did not in this case, the wrestling mechanics were actually pretty solid, too. With some interesting characterization. Similar to the Dead or Alive fighting game series, where like the, the, the original Dead or Alive was groundbreaking in that it, it, it wasn't just 3D, but like the characters could, they all had a whole set of moves when uh, another character was behind them. And that yeah, was, and, yeah. the, and, the, um, and then in Dead or Alive 2, where of course they enhanced the graphics in some ways, which I'm sure was also geared towards the fan service, it was groundbreaking. <clears throat> Jiggle physics. <clears throat> that yeah. is the a how old are you question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, those were definitely groundbreaking. But no, they also, um, they also had uh, um, uh, reversal moves. Like, and every character could do a reversal move if it was timed appropriately and it made the game like super super technical and at the time yeah. that was like a new mechanic to fighters you'd say or at least a rarely underused one it was pretty i mean like if, it, if you saw it in a game like a street fighter or even a soul caliber at that time it was usually a special move that only a couple characters have but in dead or alive it became like the mechanic of the game and then in the future versions of dead or alive fighting games and i've really only seen them like in tournament play like in competitive mm -hmm. play but it is it's it's fun to watch because like you have to be so careful with your timing, and it and it looks flashy. That's Despite the game being all about you know flashy fan service, like the fighting itself is very good. I actually kind of wonder how Dead or Alive Five, which I think was the last one they released on the console, I wonder how that overall ultimately fared with the fighting game community. Cause that's the last one I, I watched. Um, that was at a tournament in Philly. Oh. Yeah, yeah I mainly play the games for the story. I'm not a huge competitive fighter, but I'll, I'll go through the whole single player mode and, you know, beat it with all the characters and see all the endings and stuff. And then <laughs> I once I do all that, I'm like, eh, I don't have anything left to do. So <laughs> I thought you were cracking a joke. I only play this game for the stories. Oh, <laughs> well, the articles. You know, maybe Rumble Roses, but uh, yeah. Um, right, sure. It's like, no, but dead alive. I'm dead serious. <laughs> Oh, that was a terrible. <laughs> now the only thing I know about the uh, the beach volleyball is um, the game the game Grump series where um, they just got obsessed with like the gambling part of the game. <laughs> it's very funny. I had a friend I recommend people watching that. I had a friend who she was extremely extremely obsessed with DOA volleyball back in the day, and yeah. for the reason that they intentionally sold the game for, mind you. Okay. Uh, she was trying to get all the romances just right and get all the get all the bikinis Collect unlocked. all the swimsuits, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like, how are you so into this? Like, what is the... She, she like, why are you not? She pretty much was. <laughs> She's like, it's more like, why aren't you into this? Like, I just... Maybe if there was a game around it that was fun, maybe, but it had neither for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like... Fan service in games is okay. Yeah, I'm not against it, but it's not the reason I'm playing. Oh, yeah. Like, I, yeah, there needs to be enough substance to the game to make it worthwhile and not just pure fan service. And there are examples of good games that pull that, though. I will say, like, I'm not fond of games where it's fan service and the gameplay is just barely there as an excuse. But, like, say, like, the same wrong Kagura series, I would say, is a good example of where, yeah, the service is there. But if you're in for like a brawlathon, you know what I mean, like hack and slash brawlathon, mm. they do it in spades in a very good way. Like it's a fun game and it's a quality game. So while I will say that a game like that will ultimately kind of limit its audience as far as maximum exposure is concerned, I will also say that if you're indifferent to or uh, heck, if you're seeking it, you can't go wrong with a game that does that as long as the game itself comes first and is a solid product it just it just makes me feel like the the developers of the game and the creators of the game are like well how 
we're going to market this to men, you know, or to people who yeah. are into this specifically. And there's mm-hmm. so right. much of it. And, and I feel like, come on, right? You know, how many years have we been, like, how long have has video games have been an industry? Um, I'd much rather buy a game for the merits of the gameplay than yeah. what the characters on the cover look like. Or, conversely, you know? uh, Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball, like, you know, set aside the game pretense of it and just say, yeah, that's what this is. This mm. is about sexy girls, and I'm okay with that. Like, if that's what it was, you know, <laughs> but that, don't 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 be like this is going to be a serious game, guys. Well, that's just <laughs> it, though. Like, it's an interesting. I think it's an interesting line that they tow. It's like there are definitely games out there where they do exactly as you say. It was like, look, there isn't even a game here. You're no, just buying a bunch of and photos. I'm obsessed with screen. Street Fighter. You know, like Street Fighter is a great competitive, fun game, but it's like they put in all of this extra stuff to be like, hey. Teenage boys. Yeah, and that's what I mean by so like you know that that stuff's in the game, but there's a quality, solid product that's built encompassing everything else. Mm-hmm. So the game itself is so good and entertaining that this other stuff that's for the teenage boys doesn't even really phase you. You're like, eh, it's over there somewhere. I, I have I have my goals here. I want to beat the tar out of somebody using Cammy and her what's your favorite costume? Oh, uh, um, her evening dress? Yeah. <laughs> or or her, her, her schoolgirl outfit in, in which she's the most clothed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, but that kind of goes with it. It's like you, you pretty much choose the road you want to yeah, take yeah, your yeah, character, yeah. and you ultimately have fun. I do. Yeah, I paid for it, but that, that's all right. Now, imagine if, you know, Street Fighter didn't have the quality gameplay mechanics or the, I wasn't going to say awesome story, but I don't know if the stories in that game are good you or not. You know what? I couldn't tell you either. <laughs> <laughs> or it didn't have the solid online community, and instead it was just fan service wrapped around like a great D product. Then it would be a whole other story, because now you're like, I get nothing out of this but something I can get off the internet for free. Like, this is pointless to me. Exactly. So, that's why I ultimately feel like if a company wants to limit their overall reach by choosing this demographic to make their games towards, but also slap a gameplay mechanic in there that makes it fun enough for people who don't mind it mm-hmm. as well, they can go nuts. And the reason being is because our scope is so wide now. Yeah. There are so many developers making quality products now well, that there really is something for everybody out there. No, I, I don't mean to stretch this episode any further. And if you don't want to talk about this, this is okay, Ed. But, I mean, you have a family. So is that is that a consideration that you have when you're um, maybe, you know, pulling out your wallet to, to buy a game for the, for the kids. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, my wife and I are both very progressive. Like my wife is a woman's rights activist and she, she goes to the marches, you know, at the Capitol and, and all that stuff. So we're, we're very, very conscious about what and how women are being presented to our kids. And so that kind of stuff, we don't parade in front of our children mm. at all you know we want to keep it as as clean as possible but as respectful as possible you know even if there is a woman with a you know in a bikini it's like but let's take a look at what her personality is like and not just judge her based on how she looks uh so i'm hoping that we're doing a good job with that with our kids but then when the kids go to bed you know we'll watch Westworld and all the boobs on there so you know <laughs> all, the, all the great HBO shows right yeah. now Westworld I think is a from a TV perspective I think Westworld is another example from the like we were just talking about from games where it's like I feel like if Westworld's story and universe and pretty much everything else wasn't as high up the mark as it is that aspect that he just mentioned would be a turnoff of the show for yeah. me because yeah. then it would just be right. gratuitous and pointless with nothing to back it up 
Like, right, right. I need product. I need quality here. Yeah. And, and there's a justification for the nudity that you see in that show, and it's very good justification. So here, here. That's that's why I'm okay with it. I'd raise a toast to that right here if we were all in the same uh, room. To nudity. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too, but to... To nudity with a purpose. With a purpose. Oh, with a purpose. Not, not, not yours. Keep it on. <laughs> but, uh... But that's not why... nudity with a porpoise. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> let, let's, uh, let's keep this music train uh, going, shall we? Also, I think it's funny that will this be the first episode where we have to outright put up a parental advisor reporting for the release? <laughs> nah, we won't. Nah, probably not. So my next track is actually going down a road different from all of ours so far, though it is still an Otome game. And I think I even mentioned it on the show once in the past, but I couldn't use this excuse. I couldn't let this excuse to put an actual track on and let it slip away. So here it is from the game Sweet Fuse at Your Side. The track title is called Love Struck. And it is composed by a lot of people who I have written down. And I'll have to bring that up when we get back from the actual play. All right, let's do it. Welcome back. You just listened to some refined, romantic, smooth, <laughs> sexy jams from the game Sweet Views at Your Side. Track title is Love Struck. And I couldn't find the specific composer for this one, but I did find an array of composers for the game. And they are Adonia Masayuki, Hideki, Jimbo Sintaro, Kurokara Yosuke, Uyama Yu, Tachibana. Yasuhiko and Ziz, or they all guess technically work through Ziz Studio. Okay, so, anyway. so, so four of them were part of this quartet. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. Perhaps. The string quartet. Like, this is great. This is like wedding music almost. You know, you'd hear like um, maybe not during the wedding march, but prior to the wedding march. Yeah, like this is. Everyone's this is, sitting down, getting ready. This is eyes meeting oh. at a ball yeah. after a bomb was diffused in the basement music. Uh, That's right. Guy slap is, is, that, is that the real plot of the game? Kinda. This is the plot of the game is just bizarre. So the idea behind this game is you are KG Inafune's niece, and he has opened a theme park. <laughs> what? That you attend, <laughs> and while in the theme park, Inafune gets kidnapped by a guy <laughs> named like Hogstrom. Oh my god. This and is not you real. And the this other, is meta as hell. Of course, all male patrons okay. have to save Keiji Inafune 
and stop Hogstrom while not getting blown up by bombs hidden throughout the park. Beautiful. Beautiful. And somehow, during all this, love blooms. (laughs) Because, of course, it would in an ultimate game. I mean, is there any, like, Mega Man reference at all in the game, or is it just... Here's where it gets sad, and unlike Purnell in every way, it's on the... I want to play, it's at my house with the collectible keychain, but unopened list. But I genuinely want to play this, because I will say... Again, this game has, is one of those times that's always been on my mind, as like, I need to do it, I need to play it, I need to play it, and yet... This is a live stream game that you and I have to play together. It would be a trip, but I can play <laughs> PSP games on sure. the TV. <laughs> yeah. I can play a PSP on a television, so it can be captured. Oh, okay. And oh, oh, I forgot, it's not a, tel- it's not, it's not a TV game, Purnell. It's not, don't say, Joe, not on the television, young man. Oh, okay. No, it's, it's, it can be run through a TV. I have the AV adapter okay, for the cool. PSP. But, uh, one of those handheld knickknacks. <laughs> Dilly bobs that the children use. Is that a Game Boy you put in your pocket? No, it's a Nintendo. It's a small Nintendo. Mm. <laughs> That's what the... I remember the first time I ever set a PSP in my uh, oldest kid's hand. He was probably like five or six at the time. Yep. Uh, Katamari was on the screen. He immediately tried to start tilting it and touching the screen. I'm like, oh no, man, you are you were born too late for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like articles. It has none of those features. It's so like, by the time you like let him try uh, the game, the um, touchscreen yep. games were already out at that point, so he was able yeah, to... Oh yeah. Yeah, he had his iPad and his iPod, and, oh, and the, so the PSP was completely primitive to him. It's like articles <laughs> I read where um, little kids... Like real little kids, like toddlers and stuff, like they get shown like a magazine and they're touching the pages, trying to move the pictures. Yeah, it throws me wow. for a loop when it comes to kids like that. Like our friend, well, Matt's probably going to listen to the episode. You've ruined their reality. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I, I, it's a hard sell for me. Like I'm on a mixed page here because like, it's like, like I said, Matt's kid, um, his son is like really into like using, you know, the iPad to like check out YouTube cartoons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he was probably a victim of the Peppa Pig incident from a ways back. Yeah, because people are terrible. Yes, they are. But, like, it always blew my mind, like, how, like, these kids are just grabbing these pads and just touching images, and they know how to look up the cartoons they want to watch. It's like that. And then you picture trying to hand one of them, like, a book that doesn't have moving photos at this point. It's pretty much like what video games did to a lot of us at age eight or nine, <laughs> happening to kids at age three. Because oh, <laughs> they get access to the digital verse that much sooner. <laughs> but, uh, at the same time, if done right, though, you can just as well get digital interaction in a way that can still give them a lot of the benefits that books do. Like, think about it. Did you guys play RPGs when you were younger? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Would you say that playing RPGs at a young age influenced your vocabulary? Because I would. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, especially pen and paper RPG. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, pen and paper and video, for that matter. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's certainly a lot of reading in in the classic RPGs. I can't really speak too much for some of the RPGs that are popping out in the present, but I can definitely say back in the day, there was some quality storytelling taking place <laughs> and also just, words that you wouldn't expect to be thrown around in a game that your kid was playing. I just thought like, no, I got all my vocabulary from uh, Sierra Adventure Games. Um, use key. <laughs> Go left. Get ye flask. <laughs> Get the hints. Oblivion awaits thee with S. Valkyrie. Hey, all right. Um, would you like um, milk and a hot dog and what else is on for the lunch menu today and I'd say get ye flask <laughs> lunch lady <laughs> okie dokie <laughs> okie dokie <laughs> but yeah like I mean honestly it, it honestly astounds me that kids can get this stuff so soon mm-hmm. with 
almost no difficulty because I also don't know. I can't speak. Maybe like some of our listeners with kids who do this can vouch or speak up on it. But I don't even know if the parents teach the kids. I think the kid, Monday might be just a day where like my kids need something to do to keep my part here. Take this iPad. And the kids just like, what? And they touch some image and something happens like, wow. And they just start learning it. And then one day you come out to take it away. Like, no, give me. <laughs> they're, they're already manipulating it and, you know, navigating the, all the windows. Like, I didn't teach my kid any of that. How is this happening? Yeah, but did your parents teach you how to play a Nintendo game? You know, you sat down, you figured out the controls. That's, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, you had uncles that played video games and stuff, Pernell. So you, you might have had an older person telling you. But as far as I was concerned, I had to teach all myself. So same same thing with an iPad for a kid. I think you know they're going to be learning on their own. That kind of same deal. Yeah. Were you, Maybe were you, they spend more time with it because they can take it around with them. Yeah. But you know, because now you got me trying to think about that too. Because like I had. The Coleco initially, and that came from like a hand-me-down from my uncle, yeah. and we also had a Commodore 64 at one point that my dad and my uncle, both of them had something like that. So I feel like there was like that one early part where it was like, just like how the commercial said, your parents helped you put it together. I feel like that happened, <laughs> and then my parents was like, here's how you play pole position, Purnell, let's play together, and they quickly got tired of it and walked away, and I was like, well, I already know how to play, so I'm just going to keep doing it. And then that transitioned for, for each new game concept and every new game system, I took the base core component and just expanded on it. Yeah, I so mean, eventually it all worked. It's how you learn, you know? You learn some core concepts, and then you build on that until you can defeat Dracula. And, man, did I defeat Dracula in the second game, because the heck... And then you can whip me hard. And oh, take back! Oh, you <laughs> good, that's guy! A good, good Castlevania reference there. <laughs> nothing about my personal life. All right, so my last track is um, from a game from the Sharp X68000 computer system. Admit, that's not even a real system, is it? Oh, quiet, you. <laughs> <laughs> Composed by Akira Sato, the prolific, apparently, Akira Sato, also known as Muse. This is a game called Akiko Premium, a um, visual novel slash adventure. Uh, Pernell is Googling this, but I will assure you that this is a very lighthearted adventure game through, um, you know, if you want to look it up, it's up to you. But Marble cooking, it is not. You enjoy it yourself. <laughs> the music is funky and sexy. We'll leave it at that. This track is, I believe, the title track. It's just called Akiko from Akiko Premium for the Sharp X68000. Oh, actually, it's called it's called In the School. Is this one in the, in the school? In the school, yeah. Thank Akiko you very much. Premium. Answer questions 100%. <laughs> For the Sharp X68000, composed by Akira Sato.
This is the track In This School from the game Akiko Premium for the Sharp X 68000, composed by Akira Sato. Um, yeah, very, uh, that, it's got that innocent kind of sound of like, there's a, this kind of plingy organ slash synthesized piano sound that you would hear. It's almost like a, like a music box, you know? I gotta say, between you, you two on this episode. Yeah. I could stand to learn. Which one of us, Pernell? You have to choose. Red. That's wrong. Podcast over. I chose red. (laughs) I'm leaving you in the embassy. Why? I chose red. It rhymes with Ed, so we'll just say it's me. (laughs) It's a combination of the names. What two letters and three letters? I can't do what I can't work with that. Such a Freudian slip, Pernell. I do what I do. (laughs) Dang it. Uh, but like you guys are, I will say one thing about like you guys are skilled at describing music, and what I mean by that is like giving perspective. So I was supposed, I was trying to come up with some top quality role playing game music from the last ten years, right? Okay, okay. And I was like, okay, I could do that, no problem. And the person was like, okay, now you have to describe it. And I'm like. What do you mean, describe it? It's freaking music. You like it. Listen to it. It sounds good. The guy's like, you can't write two paragraphs. You're on a video game music podcast. I'm like, you do realize that most of that is me going, man, these blips and bloops are bit bop banging. And that's about all I got. And then I talk about <laughs> other things, like experiences that lead to the sale. That you guys are like, it's got that crunchy, that almost Trisket sort of Dorito sound to it. You know, it makes me, it, it sells, it kind of has like making a, me hungry. It has a sort of fried chicken, you know, <laughs> chicken flavored ramen. Uh, is this another sort of sound? Is this another podcast situation where Pernell gets here before he has dinner? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. He gets completely frustrated trying to describe music he's listening to and just talks about Chinese food for the rest of the night. It's like an extra large beef and broccoli sort of we sound. Should've, we should have brought some hers chips with us. Yes. Creamy yeah, honestly, dill where are they? I don't. I didn't bring it today. I I had I didn't need too much today. I can't like I had a piece of the day, but that was all I had, so it counts. But um, as far one thing I can say as far as the music goes here and the imagery as well, not the imagery, but just the graphic style. I'll go with that. Okay, is that uh, of the title of the title? Yes. It honestly, I can. Ha- I always had a fond appreciation for this sort of stuff because. As every most of I know you two knew this, but as the listeners might not have, like we never got access to anything related to the PC ninety eight or Sharp PC consoles, with the exception of ports that came to other consoles. Most in particular, the PC Engine or the Turbo Duo. Yeah, so some of these did, were so some of these these like more Japanese games came into the PC into the Turbo Duo. Yeah, like in Japan a lot of the actual like visual novel games hit the system, but okay. in America we yeah. got a few games that hit like the like JB Herald Murder Club and stuff like that. But as far as just even the general action games and such are concerned, a lot of those were originally games that were made for these systems, which means we got the not even FMV at the time, it was just like still video. Okay. But we got the, the still videos and the sound that came from those. The same kind of video visuals and sound that you get in this game. Hmm. And I, I think I mentioned it in the previous episode, but I feel like this is a styling that I can't say I've gotten from any other system over the years. Like, it's fairly unique to like these PC-98 Sharp titles. Yeah. It's very anime. You know, like this is something you would hear in the right. back. Like, 
you wouldn't hear it on its own, but there'd be like a lot of talking and there's something very like a, a serious conversation going on between students, you know, and they're like, oh, are you coming to the club after school? And they're like, well, yeah, because I like you. Not really. And then hearing all the voices in his head. Yeah. And it's like he's got, he's got to come up with a decision. And when he has yeah. 10 minutes of inner, inner monologue deliberation, <laughs> he just goes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's because traditionally in Japan, these computers were meant for business productivity. So adults would buy them. So it was kind of culturally how it would work is the you know, the kids would play on the Famicom or the Mega Drive or the Super Famicom. And then the adults would play their games on the PC-98, the Sharp X-68000, whatever computer they had. So the games for these systems were geared more towards adults. And so that's why you don't see that much of them on, you know, the consoles that came out over here, because those were all geared towards teens and kids. So are you saying that family computer? Right. Are you also saying that the Japanese were the pioneers of working on on playing games on the sly at work long before (laughs) we got a taste of it? I'm sure of it. Honey, I got to work on these reports. If they don't get done, the kid won't have dinner or sneakers for school. I got to get to work here. Oh, oh, yes, I would like to go to school. Yes. I was going to say, like, six hours of playing, like, a shoom-up with anime (laughs) girls later. Um, How was work today, honey? Very extreme. (laughs) It was premium. (laughs) It was premium. Premium. I visualed so many novels. (laughs) (laughs) Did a lot of reading today. All right, I'm going to bring this track down. And we're going to get into the part of the show we love to call the bonus round. Bonus round, senpai. (laughs) (laughs) The bonus round is the part of our show where we love to play covers and remixes and arrangements from visual novels. Based on our theme, sometimes from visual novels. Yes, Purnell. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being a judgy Jason. I do my (laughs) best. Hey, Ed, what'd you find for us today? All right, so first up on the bonus round is a track called Love Cassette from the Future Speed Remix. And uh, so this is this is the case of a band that remixed their own music to put in a video game. Um, so this is by Funny Death, and it's from the game Deep Space Waifu. <laughs> love it, love it, love the name. Ready to, ready to hear it. Wow! <laughs>
That is so 80s. I love it, man. Absolutely. So this is Love Cassette from the Future Speed Remix. So I'm imagining the original song is very slow. <laughs> from the game Deep Space Waifu, remixed by Funny Death? Yeah, composed and remixed by composed Funny and Death. Composed okay. So there was a much slower version that came out on the uh, original album, mm-hmm. which you've got that right. And then so they he created a like a like a sped up kind of a remix version for the uh, for the for the game itself. And I think this plays on the title screen. Were, were there the um, were there were there vocals and lyrics in the title screen as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This this is the version that appears in the game. So. Uh, I I but looked yeah. this up expecting an Otome game. This is a space shooter. <laughs> it's a vertical shooter. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but but it's it's a little bit different. Where you uh, the menu screen is like a, it's like Tinder. So you, you've got <laughs> you've got these girls on on your phone, and you can swipe left or swipe right, and and you know you swipe whatever direction it is you swipe on Tinder to to actually play the stage. And as you're going through this vertical shoot 'em up, this the the an image of the girl is behind you. Yeah. And so you have to shoot down the enemies, but then you also have to shoot these areas of the girl to to take off her clothes. So you have to like date them, and success <laughs> successfully dating them involves removal of articles of clothing. We are living so in the future. <laughs> it's a dream come true, I guess. I don't Baffling. know, but uh, like I yeah. seriously, that's a great. This is a great tune, though, and I love this version of of, of this. It really is great. I, I'm curious about the original, but I love the sound. Like I've been really into this sound. Um, at my job, I'm just listening to this kind of music all day long. What is the styling of this again? Because it sounds a lot like the OST that was composed for that game, Crossing Souls, which was also meant to mimic like 80s music. Mm. It's like synth pop, 80s synth pop. Yeah, they're calling it um, synthwave. There synth we go. Wave, yeah, yeah. Synth so wave. it's it's supposed to sound classic, but it's definitely a modern feel to it. Like there's more texture to it. Yes. You know, the 80s stuff sounded a lot flatter. I just don't think that the synthesizers they had back then had that breadth of sound. Yeah. Uh, and even the frequency, you know, the higher frequencies that uh mm. that the well, modern synths yeah. can output. So like, would you say this had more of an or I had a tater tot sound to it? Uh yes, or like a like a like a ruffles kind of a potato <laughs> chip. Okay. It has the the ridges, you know, you actually yeah. look at the wave file well, and it's it, got it's got ridges. If you imagine in the 80s we were just throwing potatoes in the in the steam water, right? But like today, you know, we have like deep fat fryers. We could sous vide. <laughs> see, mm-hmm. see, this is all I want. This, <laughs> this is how we talk about recording technology you got, you has got come, waffle fries. come a long way. We have we have a lot wider of a spectrum to to, to record with now. We have funnel cake fries <laughs> yeah. in and, music form. <laughs> all right, so my next track or my bonus round track is actually a remix of a song that we played before from the Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh! Another visual novel, another meta-visual novel that um, is a little bit about love, but more about, you know... Weird stuff. Literature Club and weird stuff and it knowing that you are a creep playing a visual novel. (laughs) A whole Uh, lot of Doki. I love this theme song. This is called Your Reality is a Flickering Sunshine. And this is the remix by Rob KTA, who does nothing but funky jams. I love his music. uh, So um, from Doki Doki Literature Club, check it out. Um, So you know how I've been like practicing piano and stuff?
Right, that was Your Reality is a Flickering Sunshine from Rob KTA, a song from the Doki Doki Literature Club visual novel slash horror slash romance. No, 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 it's, it's, just, it's just a visual novel yeah. with love. You know, some, some love can be scary. It really can. Asking yeah. that cute girl out to the dance or the sock hop, as yeah. it were. You know, I get a little skittish, too, myself when I contemplate such things and then i remembered if you just talk like a professor frank then everything's fine (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) from the 1920s (laughs) Uh, but yeah uh, rob katie we'll have links to his stuff on our website um this one was um, like a lot of his music was released under the game chops label uh dj cutman's label who's also from uh, philadelphia nearby here Um, but all, all of his music is just fantastic it's really funky it's really well produced yeah, uh, this was a jam, and I and, and I love the the evolution this track goes through through different styles, and then just culminates in this big uh, this big wall of noise. It's all over the place, yep. just like the love triangle of Doki Doki <laughs> Literature Club. It's a lot going on there too, <laughs> and there's a lot going on in this episode. Um, it's all subtext. <laughs> Read between the lines, for now. Secret message in the episode: We're actually talking about Lacroix. Yeah, it's just like I'm so thirsty. All I want is some more sparkling water that kind of tastes like fruit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so for my last track of the episode, um, given that we went with the sexy love slash theme, I felt like we could not have an episode with this topic and not have a track in some capacity from this game. Yes. So here we are and for how, another game how could series. I have missed this game? Uh, it was right there <laughs> on the tip of our tongues. And that game, folks, is Leisure Suit Larry. The particular one on this remix is... Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards. And this is a theme, of, a remix of the title theme composed by Andreas Wallstrom and Necropolo.
Good evening, friends. And that was from Leisure Suit Larry and the Land of the Lounge Lizards theme remix composed by Andreas Wallstrom and Necro Polo. Mm. Perfect music that you could have a good barbecue to. Absolutely. Very a romantic barbecue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially romantic. Invite all the neighbors over. That, that was some, like, really, really raunchy horns with some really yeah. clean guitar. Oh, yeah. And a drummer that was like in a, from a different like rock band, like going like yeah, like animal style how the drum fills. <laughs> and they all came together and magic happened. I love it. No, it sounds perfect together. I loved it. And I felt I, like very like Bourbon Street, New Orleans yeah. kind of a feel, very party kind of a feel to this yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like the the jokey picture I get from this track is like, and I'm glad you said that because I I, get, I think of the guy like the garbage pail kid, drunk guy walking out of the bar like stumbling, talking to Pink Elvis like, hey guys. Yeah, that was some party, wasn't it? Whoa, <laughs> a shiny nickel. I'll pick it up. It just like falls to the ground. But like it has that styling to it. And I I don't know, like I said, I was I needed to get a track from Leisure Suit Larry in this episode. I went through a bunch of remixes and this one was just the solid pick for me. Yeah. Well an episode of, of music about love, and then we have a game of a man just looking for love. And all the wrong places. All the wrong places. <laughs> Well, the right place is just going about it horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. That is also <laughs> yeah. true. A little bit of both. <laughs> Such a weird series. It makes you think, too. Like, it's a wonder. Like, that, I feel like that was like our version of like Japanese Otomo games back in the day, though. Because I don't think I can't think of too many digital adventure games, and yet Leisure Suit Larry was very prominent. Like, if you went to Walden Software or oh yeah, what was the yeah you'd find it on any shelf. Yeah, it was everywhere. Like. Yeah. Very prominent. Like, as a kid, not playing these games, but I knew I knew that character because he was like, yeah, I was like, what is this weird dude in like the 70s like jumpsuit thing? Exactly. Like yeah. none of us played it, but we all knew who he was. <laughs> yeah. Even without knowing the content though, like it, I, it, they didn't even appeal to kids. Like why would I want to play a game with this really sleazy like guy that looks like one of my dad's friends? Like it <laughs> didn't appeal, you know? We're learning about your childhood all of a sudden. <laughs> Does he stomp on well-dressed mushrooms? <laughs> No, I mean, like, especially, like, yeah, younger, when, when these games were being produced, I was much more interested in, in more action-oriented games, more hand-eye hand coordination type stuff. Yeah, like, does Larry eat numbers? Number munchers? Is that what you're talking about? No, yeah. no, I wasn't talking about that. I just wondered if he ate numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, does Larry jump out of planes and fall through hoops? Does he um, have balloons attached to his butt and tries to stab other people with balloons attached to their butts? Mm, if does only. he have a bionic arm and does he fight Nazis? Does he ride on top of a giant ostrich that poops eggs? This is the only game I want play. <laughs> the land of Jess. Um, yeah, that is a weird place to look for love, for sure. The other jousters on the giant ostriches. Hey, Ostriches? Hey, Ostrich lady, you gonna be giant. here later? What are you doing with that pointed object? Hope you're not pointing it at me. Oh, crap. <laughs> Egg wave. <laughs> anyway, for more information on the bonus round part of our show, please go to rhythmandpixels.com, and we will have links to band camps and SoundClouds, YouTube pages, everywhere where you can go check out more of this music, buy this music, and support these amazing artists. Thank you for joining us on episode 13-8 of Rhythm and Pixels, our look at romantic, sexy music with 
the most romantic man in the VGM podcast business, Ed. Thank you so much. Oh, shucks. I am blushing. <laughs> um, for coming on, good sir. It has been a wonderful time. And suffice to say, we have a weird track that we went out on. And it started as a joke. It still is a joke. But I think there's a purpose to it, too, after I thought about it a little bit too much, as I do. Is that, you know, we talk about romance and love and sexy times and whatnot. But getting to all that is a lot of work. It's a lot of work and patience and respect and just all the things that goes into the process of finding that person, that special someone, and then forming that connection, going through all the steps. It is a marathon, I would say, not a marathon to be run hastily, which kind of makes it not more of a marathon, but a paced run. But anyway, the point is you have to go through the steps, Sassy. You have to basically put in the work. To find the love and the affection. And I feel like, for some reason, the Mario theme encompasses that very well. Oh, bad idea. I was, I, I thought that what you were getting at was that with all of these heavy themes and these heavy emotions, we needed a little a little brevity, a little a little lightness to end the, uh, end of the episode. Yeah, Le- what do you think brevity, about it? Levity, Mario, levity. Mario's doing it all for love, you know? He's, he's, everything he does is for the princess, so... I thought it was for cake. For sweet, tasty cake. <laughs> That's Portal. No, she makes some <laughs> cakes all the time. It's like, thank you, Mario. Here's a cake. He's like, yeah! That's what this is all about. <laughs> I guess telling that didn't really become a thing until, what, Mario 64, but... It just now I can't help but think that's what's going on. It's like, thanks for saving me, Mario. I beg, I'm going to beg you. No, a cake. no, no. So every, every castle that Mario ends at, and it's Toad, and it's not the princess, mm-hmm. he eats mushrooms this entire game. He's eating the mushroom retainers. The mushroom people, they're they are food. They're just food. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mario. I'm your sorry. He another... uses to get to the next level. Exactly. I'm sorry, the... Mario. Your prison is another castle. Why are you looking at me like that? By the time he gets to the princess, Mario's eyes are so bloodshot. <laughs> From consuming <laughs> mushroom retainers. he is hallucinating so hard. No, I don't know. Okay, now that you can save me, Mario, I gotta get back to running my kingdom. Where are my loyal retainers? <laughs> Where'd they go? But I don't know. They, uh, they, they went on a trip. They went on a, yeah. <laughs> Why are we so weird? They're um they're back uh they're in the royal kitchen um some making might, us a grand dinner. Some might go. say we just ate the mushroom retainers <laughs> and they're in our stomachs right now. There's my Simpsons reference for the episode. Thank you very much. Oh man. Well, Ed, could you tell our listeners a little bit more? about the VG Embassy, your new project, and where they can find it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, we are launching, uh, well, I say we, but I'm using the royal we. I am launching the show on July 6th, 2018. The first episode will be featuring your one of your guest hosts from last episode, Emily from the VGM Jukebox, as my awesome. guest host awesome. on the first one. Uh, talking about Echo the Dolphin, which is her passion. So I kind of wanted to, you know, demonstrate the kind of show that we're going to be doing, and and she's going to share all about Echo. It's a huge show, tons of fun we had doing it. Um, I've got all the social media set up at this point, so you can head over to thevgembassy.com. We've got a website set up. No shows there yet, obviously, because we're not launched. Uh, Facebook.com slash group slash thevgembassy. You can join our Facebook group. We've already got about 30 members and a lot of people that are talking and joking, so you can check us out there. 
we are at the VG Embassy on Twitter, so you can follow me there. And then we've also got a Discord channel set up, so just search for the VG Embassy on Discord and you can join the chat as well. So hopefully we'll have a good community going. And, uh, you know, if you want to be on the show, if you have a good idea for a theme to do, I would love to hear from you and we can we can definitely set something up. And I got to say, I don't know why I just thought about this, but in the event the show becomes big and you start throwing out some cool merchandise, you should do passports. Oh, Ooh, that's a good idea for now. VG mm. Embassy Passports. I will have a Patreon set up, so there will be some swag involved. So uh, I will definitely put that idea in my that's back a great idea. Nice one. Very nice. And if you would like to get in contact with our show, Rhythm and Pixels, please send us an email. RhythmandPixels at Hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have topic ideas, music suggestions, or if you are a composer yourself. Or if you are in a re- if you're a remixer, or if you're in a cover band, we'd we'd love to hear from you and um, you know what what you're into. Um, if you want more information about our show, a full track listing from all the episodes, access to all of our episodes, and access to all of the extra stuff that Pernell and I like to do, go to the website rhythmandpixels.com. Um, check us out on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of those places where you put an at symbol in front of somebody's name. You'll find us there generally at rhythm and pixels all one word and if you'd like to support us in other ways go to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels we have um, extra things for all of our uh, people who support the show we do a live stream of our recordings once a month and we also have extra extra mixtapes of just music from our episodes that you can get there and some other stuff too all at patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels we also like to thank all of our supporters we like to thank Alex the Messenger, number one fan, super guy, apparently a ninja. And honestly, yeah. I'm looking forward to his ninja debut. Yeah. And now he's I'll, also going to be a guest on my show as well, so oh, you'll get to hear awesome. from him soon. That'd be yeah. good. I'm looking forward to that. So now I will list all of the people that he has murdered: uh, Bri- <laughs> Brian Kunkel, Bobby Arson, Damian Beckles. I'm sorry, we just got to know you. Um, Wicked Sephiroth, <laughs> you will be re- you will be missed. Okay, Impala. <laughs> Killed before his time. Carlos. Morton Gangso. Stabbed in the back. No! Not Henrik so. Anderson. <laughs> shuriken to the eyeball. <laughs> Michael Bridgewater of the Forever Sound Version podcast. Not Michael! We'll never hear his sexy voice again. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Brian Pitt. Not the pit! The pit. I love the pit! Uh, Chris Murray. Chris, Chris Murray, Murray yeah. he got me in the mobile games. Um, Joe, <laughs> Joe Vasallo. Vasallo, not Malo. And uh, David Smith. Um, David, he got your name right in passing. <laughs> the you perfect will, eulogy. <laughs> you will all be missed. Alex, you know you had to do what you had to do. That's your job. <laughs> Revenge will be mine. <laughs> So, um, yeah, and then also I want to give one more plug out to our uh, 24-7 YouTube radio station, um, Rhythm and Pixels Radio, where we play nothing but 8-bit and 16-bit jams curated by Pernell and I and including playlists from uh, classic uh, Pixel Tunes Radio episodes and absolutely um, the VGM Jukebox episodes and um, just from Keyglyph also, a bunch of um, supporters there. So that's all I've got. Um, Ed, do you have anything else that you want to plug before that we um, head out of here for the evening and get on with the rest of our date? 
Well, I just want to thank you guys so much for inviting me on the show. I always have a huge blast hanging out with you guys, and uh, you guys are always, always welcome on my show. Like I said, we've got stuff in the works already, so uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. And uh, whenever you guys have a great topic you want me to help you out on your show, I'd be happy to come back. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. I love yeah, I love fostering the community. I gotta say, we, we do our own show here, so I feel like... Uh, if we ever guest on other shows or want to submit tracks to other shows, I always feel really guilty about that because it's like, well, I already have my own platform. I don't want to take away time from other people, <laughs> you know, who have other who have other ideas. I always like to look at guesting on other people's shows as like kind of taking a taking a walk into their world and seeing how yeah. they live, yeah, yeah. eating their soda, eating their chips, and drinking their soda from their fridge. I expect yeah. a red carpet, Ed. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> I will roll that right out for you as 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 long as I can. But, I, you know, as far as coming on other shows go, then you get another perspective on the songs that you like, too. And you get to share it with a different audience that might not listen to your show. So it, it's a win-win situation. That's good. Yeah, exactly. See, we can track mud on their floor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that. We're just, just stomp all over their house. <laughs> hey, man, where do you keep the booze? <laughs> my, my embassy will be in ruins when you guys leave. <laughs> yeah. But you'll know a party was had. Yeah. That's important. <laughs> but, you know, Lamps thrown good, everywhere. Good, good clean fun, just playing baseball in the house. Yeah, yeah buddy. A little bit of a right. problem. What can go wrong? What can go wrong? Well, again, thank you for listening to the Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernet. Thank you so much for listening. Have a safe week. We'll see you next week. And remember... We had this episode topic, you know, love and sexiness. And there is this, there's a general concept. I think, honestly, I will give credit to Ed because he put this thought in my head and now it's stuck. That there's this general concept of what sexiness is and how you kind of have to conform to it in a sense in order to fit the social standards of what that may be. But what is what is good for the gander may not be good for the goose you have your own take on what you consider to be romantic or sexy or appreciative or attractive or whatever and there's nothing wrong with those things within reason um essentially just don't be ashamed to like what you like and be who you are and over time if we're lucky you'll find somebody who has a similar take on romance and love and hey you may find yourself playing love ping pong out on the patio with somebody that you care about. And, hey, that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. Just don't be terrible at ping pong because you want to make a good impression. You don't want to... Yeah, you got to practice the ping pong first. Yeah, you really do. Take some lessons. Who even gives ping pong lessons these days? Does that even exist? Oh, my God. China? You, you don't China. know what my day job is? <laughs> <laughs> ping pong lessons. <laughs>